today we're going to be talking about some pretty hot topics in the church. Authority versus abuse, obedience versus rebellion, how to navigate power dynamics that go on in the church, how strong should a pastor have authority, how far should a church member obey, all difficult questions that are raging right now in the modern church. All right, so I started thinking about this question because I was trying to figure out who is at fault in a situation with a pastor I know and a friend I know that are in church together, <laughs> formerly in church together. Yeah, and they split. They went different ways. Went separate ways, and so I will... Friendly or not friendly? Not friendly. Okay. Not not a friendly split, split not a... It was a pastor telling this congregant, let's say... To which I think even using those terms is a little problematic, but it does highlight the power dynamic exactly. So, so that is part of the problem. From my original I- thoughts on this, a pastor has what's called, in my mind, what was called spiritual authority, and this authority you are able to tell a churchgoer what to do because you are in charge of the church. And so, I originally thought that, and then I went through some church hurt. <laughs> And so it got me to start rethinking this. And then I kind of, in my heart, swing to, well, you shouldn't be telling anybody what to do. And then I was like, okay, I just need to get down to the real truth understanding. Like I, as a believer, I need to abide by truth. And so I need to figure out what true, what is true. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And And so I have to, from the, I have to get an understanding from the scripture because there's, I think oftentimes when we don't understand something or when we're confused about a certain topic, it's it's just because we haven't looked into the scripture for ourselves. And we're so just true. listening to teachers say different things. And it's like, man, or even worse, you listen to somebody who's mad on social media, tell you what to think, tell yeah. you their conclusion after a series of hurts. Or uh, I'm not saying that we should listen to people or believe people or take them seriously. Um, but to listen to someone without knowing for yourself what the scripture says you'll just be yanked around and yeah who knows so as i started to dive in to scripture on this subject that is when i started leaning towards okay this pastor's out of line mm. but then when i discussed with a pastor friend he another pastor he brought and you know the scripture says in an abundance of counsel there is victory mm. So as I was seeking counsel, so I would go and study the scripture for myself because this was a personal subject for me. So I had some emotions in it. So I was like, okay, I might not be able to discern this all on my own. So I need to seek counsel. And I have, luckily, I have wise older men in my life. And I asked quite a few of them. But one in particularly called me on the phone, talked to me for an hour and a half, took his personal time to help me work through this. And... Where he got me to understand, or what he got me to understand was that there can be situations that doesn't necessarily have a exact biblical outline on how to handle it that may not have to do with sin exactly, where there can be a, hey, we're going in different directions. Yeah. So here's what I'm hearing you say is 
you started your study on one side of the power dynamic mm -hmm. and said, yes, the person without authority is always right and you can't treat me that way. And then somebody with that kind of authority said like, hey, this is what it's like to be a leader. This is what it's like to have to deal with that. And, you know, there's some, this is a, this is a difficult word, but nuance. Yeah. There's two sides to an issue. And, and he just helped you see the other side, the leadership side. Yeah, so there is a specific scripture. Where is it? Uh, the one, is it in Titus? Where Oh, about causing trouble. Yes. Yeah, it's in Titus chapter 3. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. hunt it down. Yeah, hunt it down real quick. Many times this specific scripture is the justification for the idea of spiritual authority. Spiritual authority defined as I'm my title is pastor, therefore I can tell you what to do. So we'll I'll read this verse okay. and, and we'll just leapfrog from there for you to to talk about some of the verses you found that led you to your first conclusion. Okay. Like authority is bad, you can't boss people around. Okay. And we'll start here. Um, from Titus chapter three, verse nine. Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law. These things are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. Mm. Yeah, so with that verse, that actually is what ultimately led me to the conclusion that in this particular situation, because of perceived divisiveness from this particular congregant, that there was biblical backing for dismissing this person from the congregation. Oh, so this was this was on the leadership side yes. of the power dynamic. Yes. Okay, so we'll, we'll just go through it in your mind chronologically. Where okay. did you start realizing, hey, leadership needs to act this way, leadership needs to be um, whatever, whatever you concluded? So I had never done a study for myself. I just thought... On this topic. On this topic. Originally, I just, I knew about that verse in Titus. And I go, well, it seems like God has a get, has given pastors a particular authority to make decisions for a church body. And then you got to think about also, hey, submit to all authority that Jesus says when he's talking to the Pharisees and he says who's on, whose inscription is oh, on this yeah. coin. Mm -hmm. And he says, hey, give the Caesar who's a Caesar, like submit to all authority. Uh so I had that view originally, and the justification that I hear oftentimes in churches are, well, this person has an independent spirit. You know, they're just thinking independently. They're rebellious. Rebellious. They're being rude, divisive. But in my personal experience, I saw how people not calling out a pastor led to other bad things happening. Mm -hmm. And so I, it seems, and so as I did the study, it seems like I, I begin to realize that it the, the scripture isn't saying pastors have authority in of themselves. That it seems like that pastors and congregants are on the same, same level. Hmm. And that, that there are very, this scripture in Titus is one of the, few examples of that is given in the scripture for when 
a pastor has to make a authoritative decision for a church body. Most of the time, it seems like the scripture is pointed to pastors, which is an elder saying, hey, this is how you ought to act. This is what your role is. You're to help protect. And then there is a very small amount of scripture that is a pastor making an authoritative decision on behalf of the congregation. Okay, so let me let me interpret maybe what you're saying. There's a whole bulk of scriptures that are telling um, pastors or elders interchangeable words in the scripture how to lead. Jesus says, hey, the Gentiles lord authority over people. You guys are not to do that. If you want to be the greatest, you have to be the servant of all. Yes. Different verses like that that say the leader is not going to boss people around and the leader does not have that authority um, in them in themselves because they're the leader pastor so and so that doesn't give them the authority but they are burdened with um, the responsibility of making sure that everyone is protected and in line with doctrine and so there's a slim amount of examples where that means that person has to step in and say, Scripture says this, this, and this, and for the protection of the rest of the flock, you have to go. Yes. And so I'll give an example of one of those Scriptures that you're talking about. So first, Peter 5 says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd your flock of God, that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to your flock. Hmm. And then there, there's many more like this. Um, I have I have another one okay, for you yeah. from from Philemon. This is really important. Uh, this is what Paul says. Therefore, so um, this guy he's a he's a wealthy guy, and his slave ran away and bumped into Paul, and he got saved when he met Paul, and Paul happened to know his master, hmm. and so he sends the slave back to the master. Now in Roman law, I, I believe that this slave could have been killed. I mean, for sure he could have been punished harshly. But and I think as far as, as being killed, but Paul is writing and saying, hey, you need to receive this guy as a brother in Christ now and forgive him. And here's what Paul says. Although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to p- appeal to you on the basis of love. Hmm. I appeal to you for Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Hmm. And, and But he's not saying, I could boss you around because I'm Paul or because I'm your pastor or because I'm an apostle. He's actually saying, I could boss you around because it's what you ought to do. Hmm. It's the scripture. It's the doctrine. The only authority that a pastor or or that kind of a figure has to boss people is the doctrine, is yeah. the, hey, this is what the scripture the says you ought to of the do. Scripture. Yes. Yeah. And uh, But even in his personal leadership style, he says, you know, I could do that. I could, Lord, I could hold the scripture over you and tell you what you ought to do. But, but what I'd actually rather do is just ask you as a friend, as a brother, as an equal, yeah. would you please do this? So I think kind of what I started to understand was that it's not necessarily the scripture 
that points us to creating a special category of authority for this person that is a what's called a pastor elder or a shepherd Mm -hmm. that has been placed in this position for the health of the church it is the way that we have in the west i know we dog on the west all the time but in the west elevated this title pastor as more of a deified role in our church and even you know like you we mentioned off air which was the worship leader putting up putting put on the stage it doesn't seem to me like in the early church paul is saying hey structure your church around one central figure that will be the one who primarily is where you're getting all your doctrine from the one person that's primarily making the choices yeah he doesn't have the vision for your church he doesn't get to have the authority in your you know, he doesn't get to boss your church around. Yeah. It seems like Paul was saying, hey, there's a, men among you who meet these particular criteria and that seek the role of elder to help keep the health of the church and amplify. And, <clears throat> and these people will be will lead this congregation of believers together multiple men um, who are fit for this role and that this role is primarily for the preservation of the health and to and protect. Purity. Yeah. yeah, and purity in the church. I think, so we, we've covered the one side, yeah. which is, hey, elders, lead this way without domineering, without lording authority, without bossiness. Um, but the other side um, is actually really special. It's it seems to be that the appeal to members really is just that, an appeal, that when you give someone that voice in your life, it's something that has to be given. But the Bible does admonish people, hey, follow your leaders as an example. You choose to follow them as an example. You don't give them authority in your life to boss you around or to trump the voice of God or especially not to... Um, Trump scripture, but yeah, you so, offer, you say, I trust you. I see your life. I see your walk with God. And, and so I'm going to look to you as, as an example for what I can do. Yeah. And we wouldn't be giving it a well-rounded account if we didn't bring up Hebrews thirteen seventeen, which says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls and will give an account for their work. Let them do this with joy and not complaints for this would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to conduct ourselves rightly in every respect. And so there is this dynamic of when you join in with a group of people that have leaders that are established, you are choosing to come into that place and say, oh, these are my leaders. I need to submit to them. And it's but, something that you choose to do. Yeah. And but it's it's like uh something you're really passionate about is this idea of proof texts in the scripture where you can't take a singular uh scripture out of context and say well this proves my theology i can tell you what to do as a leader or i look at this you're not supposed to be acting like this pastor i can rebel against you yeah either way that the scripture holds each other in tension yes that there is a tension here that it's not saying one way or another, like 
you know, a pastor can be a tyrant and it's not saying that a congregant can just like not listen to anyone, but there's a dynamic of really of, yeah, there's a mutual thing. There's a mutual dynamic thing going on that leaders aren't bossy, but followers aren't rebellious, contentious complainers that you see men of integrity and you choose to follow them. You see precious people to God that are his images that you take care of. And it's the, the beautiful yes. integration of both of those admonishments. And you can't take one without the other. And I think part of the issue here that it really comes down to is our definition of these things and our understanding of how churches ought to operate. And I think that is actually what creates a lot of the issues because we ha- we're not very literate in these subjects. And so it causes people that are under, which they shouldn't, they should be over, right? So an elder is supposed to come under to lift up the church. Yes. But so many times people feel under or dominated uh, by this church leadership. And so it's the natural tendency to be like, man, I don't feel good about this. Yeah, because you are sensing something true. It's not supposed to be like that. Yeah. That w- when, that this isn't some, a, a elder, which is what, we use the word pastor often for elder, but it, an elder wasn't meant to be something that's elevated among, above people. But it's someone who basically holds together the congregation on a horizontal plane. So you have in Ephesians 5 right here, 19, it says, Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your hearts to the Lord. So it's talking about this this joy, this singing together. Always giving thanks, thanks to God the Father for each other in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and submitting to one another out of reverence of Christ. To one another. To one another. It's not saying submitting only to your pastor. There, I think there's a misunderstanding because of the way we structure our mm. congregations that make us believe that this thing called pastor is somewhere in the heavenlies and not right down there with the average churchgoer. That yeah. the pastor hears God in a, in, a, in, a, in a more intimate way than the average churchgoer, that because of this position, they have special authority. No, they have the responsibility to have to make those hard decisions when it comes down to it. Yeah. But it seems like that is the outlying example of the role. That is the exception to the rule that they have to make authoritative decisions. And it seems like when they make those authoritative authoritative decisions that it's supposed to be done in a plurality. It's supposed to be done with, let's say, let's use a random number, eight elders all coming together to agree upon and make this decision to take someone out of the church. Or or any other decision about yeah. what doctrine is right. And I think this may be a little veering yeah. off of path a bit, but... Um, entering into the church world and starting to hear how some churches operate and stuff. I remember the first time I heard someone say um, that they were going to submit a resume to a church to go work for that church. And I, I felt like I was going crazy. (laughs) I was like, are you serious? Are there not, are there not people People of, yeah, yeah, people of integrity who understand the Bible in that church that they can elevate. And it seems like what the Bible describes is 
there's a, there's a person of integrity that the church trusts, that they love, that, um, that understands the scripture, um, that the people invest their trust into someone and they say, we choose to follow you because we know you, we trust you, we believe, we've seen your life. It's a community thing. It's a community effort that the, the community invests their trust into one of their own to, to lead them or to many of their own to lead them. These are the men that we know we can trust instead of bringing in a guy who has a vision, has skills, can speak really well. And this is the guy we want to lead our church, but you never met him. You don't know him from Adam, you know? That's my soapbox. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. and I think just in total, we could say this a lot about a lot of things, but for sure about this issue, uh, that we use our experience as the glasses to read our Bible. Yeah. So when we read pastor in the Bible, we're seeing it through our experience of pastors in our church instead of letting the Bible be the glasses that we view our experience. Yeah. When I look at my pastor, am I seeing what the Bible describes as a pastor? Yeah. Or when I look at my pastor, am I seeing, you know, what, I mean? yeah. uh, what the world tells me or what, you know, a CEO, is that is that what I see when I see my pastor or do I see what the Bible describes? So Yeah, and going back to what my pastor friend said, because I, I think I naturally want to talk about the structure of our churches and where pastors are going wrong because I think they have the most responsibility in this area but that's not to say people that are going to churches or joining in with congregations where there is, are assigned elders as leaders that you you need to be telling all of them off all the time and saying we're not because the truth is like right now this is what we're working with yeah and you ought to be a part of a community and you ought to not be making a ton of trouble in that community And so what my pastor friend was explaining was that there can be situations where, hey, this is the pastor of this church and they're moving in this direction. You may not want to move in that direction. It's not necessarily your role to change the whole direction of the church. You may just need to go in another direction. Yeah. And that's okay. And I think sometimes we feel pressure of like, man, if I go in another direction, I'm defecting from the church and and I'm going to go down a rabbit hole of sin and all this stuff. And and unfortunately, that does happen a lot of times because mm-hmm. people leave for the wrong reason. But there is right reasons to move a different direction, it seems like. And yeah. there's okay reasons that aren't always like, this is the center and this is the The person same. is right. Yeah. yeah. That they're oftentimes, especially in their current church culture, where there's probably misunderstandings and wrongs on both sides. And these topics aren't as cut and dry as we like to make them sometimes to kind of fit in our church culture boxes. But this is an active discussion as the church body at large that how we can begin to continue to reform the way that we go about uh, uh, about things. And actually, what I believe is we just ought to get back to the original design of the church yeah, and listen to what Paul is saying with how we ought to structure things, yeah. not elevate one leader as this divine representation of our congregation, but begin to operate more like the early church. Yeah, I, I think... I think you're totally right. And I also think it's 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 really valuable just to sit with that a little bit longer about you can disagree 
and nobody's in sin. Yeah. And that is, I think that is something that we have so lost. We just don't have it in our church that we can disagree and nobody sinned. And uh, I think the prime example is, is Paul and Barnabas arguing over John Mark. Mm. Uh, Paul said, I don't want to take him. You know, he was a liability. He bailed on us. I, 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 I imagine he just said, I, you know, frankly, I don't trust him. And Barnabas was the encourager. He always wanted to get behind the little guy. He wanted to elevate people. He was willing to go slower, you know, to yeah. be with the guy. And and Barnabas said, no, I want to give him another chance. I want to take him. I don't care if he slows us down. This is what I'm imagining their conversation like. And they just said, you know what? We disagree, so let's part ways. And nobody sinned. Nobody was wrong. It doesn't say Barnabas was wrong or Paul was wrong. Paul just picked people who was going the way he was going. Yeah. And Barnabas picked John Mark, who he wanted to go with. And, and they split friendly. It was not a bad thing. Um, so just to know, if we keep that in mind, that this is a community investing trust in the people that they say, this is who I want to lead me, um, then you can say, I don't want to go that way. I don't want to be, yeah. I don't want to be led by those people. Um, maybe I don't trust you or maybe, you know, God's put something different in my heart. So you join a community that's going the way you want to go and you can split and not be disloyal. You can split and not be rebellious. You can split and just say, yeah, we're from central Texas, but if you're going to Houston and I'm going to Dallas, we need to be in two separate cars yeah. and that's fine. Like God needs to reach Houston and Dallas. It's fine. Yeah. Um, it's not a bad thing and it doesn't have to be a result of sin. We can shake hands, take communion together, be a part of one body in two different churches, go in two different ways with two different emphasis. Yeah. And I, I just want to exhort any ministers or pastors listening to this as ministers ourselves, that we just got to be real careful to not take that role, these roles lightly and just do things willy nilly that we really ought to be diving into the scriptures consistently to understand these things, to not just speak with authority on behalf of doctrine that might not be true or to act in a certain way, but to always be checking our heart, knowing that we are imperfect people who tend to the, to the side of pride, especially if you like, I mean, we see it time and time again, the way that, when we elevate someone, when we start to believe that our own thoughts are better than other people or more directly divine from God, that we can get in really fishy areas when it comes to how we think about ourselves and whether or not we're operating with a spirit of narcissism. And so that's the only thing I would say, like kind of closing this out is if you are a teacher, if you are an elder, understand you will be judged harsher. That is what the scriptures clearly say. And and make sure you have a pure heart with um, and you're not doing it for the wrong reason. Can I can I end yeah, just yeah. with this verse? Yeah. Um, this is from the guy sorry sorry Catholics, but <laughs> this is from James, who really seemed to be the primary leader of the early church. Mm. And this is what the pastor of the pastors of the apostles, <laughs> um, these are his words from James chapter three. You can cut out that part about Catholics. Then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the wisdom that comes from heaven, first of all, is pure, then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peace loving, considerate, 
that uh, in other translations, that word consider it says willing to reason. Mm. So the wisdom that does that comes from above does not throw its weight around and boss people around and say, well, I'm from above and I have, <laughs> I have wisdom from above, so you better listen. Uh, the wisdom that comes from above is peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy. I so, mean, it, it just seems like it's human nature to lean on those titles, to lean on those things like, well, I'm older than you, so who are you? And it's like, you know, when Paul says to Timothy, don't let them despise your youth. Like, yeah. you are appointed, you are anointed by God to go and do these things. And so, uh, how often do we lean, whether it's, you know, I'm oppressed, like, you're oppressing me, like, and that gives you some type of authority, or like, I'm the pastor. It's, it, with any of those things, it's... Both sides get oh, ugly. Yeah. Both sides get ugly. But I think the spot that we're in as ministers, just to exhort, again, ministers... If you're going to lead, check your wisdom against the wisdom that the pastor's pastor says comes from above. Yeah. Um, and and lead with integrity and dignity and yeah. All right. So what what's the what's the summary? Can you give us a summary of what we just talked about? The summary is, in our culture, it's it's hard. We want to say just because you're in power, yeah, you're wrong. Yeah. Or just because you have a victim mindset, you're wrong, and to aim guns at each other on both sides of the power dynamic. And the Bible says um, to be mutually submissive, that the power dynamic is actually this, this beautiful blend of both people loving each other and trusting each other. Trust, I trust you with authority. I trust you to follow um, and, and give me your heart. And with mutual humility that's why mutual respect mutual respect mutual, mutual understanding trust. of submitting to each other um so i think you know what if i'm going to summarize it i'm going to say it like this the body of christ doesn't work if there's any shred of pride left yeah the body of christ doesn't work if there's any shred of sin left the body of christ works when we love each other and trust each other with absolutely transformed hearts um so i think that's Every, every dynamic, but especially this delicate power dynamic that the Bible talks about, only works when our hearts are transformed and pure. Let me let me kind of put a question out there, and y'all can comment below if you want to, um, y'all's answers, but maybe I'll throw this up to you, and you may not have an answer. Do we need a modern-day reformation of our Oh, church? without a doubt, <laughs> in so many levels. <laughs> I'd like to hear your comments, but yes. Okay. Well, yeah. I hope uh, in future episodes we'll discuss more on how we ought to go about that. Yeah. All right.